Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, what do you think the book study is going to be about today? It, we're going to be studying Genesis. Actually, the book of Genesis is where we're going today. And so uh, uh, we are going to start in Galatians. I'm going to give you a little bit of a backdrop of the book of Galatians. But actually, to study Galatians, we have to go even further back than that. And I'm going to teach you something very powerful today that many, I've heard so many people this morning say, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know that. I, I never thought of it like that. And it's going to be eye-opening to so many. Uh, so the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, the churches in Galatia, and a lot, there, there's some debate as to where these churches are. Some would say Northern Asia Minor, some, some would say Southern Asia Minor, but most people believe it's like modern-day Turkey. And he, he's, he's writing to these churches, and he's confronting something in their life that, that really needs to be confronted in all of our lives. He's confronting them about their approach to God. He's saying this is the healthy way to approach God, and, and this is the way that you're being taught to approach God, and it's not right. In fact, it, it's, it's false. Let, let me say it this way, everybody, that every single person, not only in this room or watching online, but every single person in, in the world is on a God journey. Did you know that? Every single person is on a God journey. Now, most of those people are, are going to God. They're trying to approach God. They want to know God. They want to know the truth. And so they're, they're trying to move towards God on their God journey. There are some people that, that don't think that they're on a God journey, but they are. And they don't think that they're on a, jo- a God journey because they just say, well, I don't believe in God. I don't think there is a God. Therefore, I'm not on a journey. Well, actually, you are on a journey. You're just on a journey away from God. You're not journeying towards him. You're rebelling against him. It's still a journey, though. It's still a journey. It's a God journey, and you're just going in the wrong direction. So some people try to move to God, but they move towards God. They approach God the wrong way with the wrong thought. And what I found out is actually it's very prevalent in the hearts and the minds of Christians. Not just those who don't know Jesus, but those who do know Jesus, who believe in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, people start teaching things, or you start teaching yourself something that just isn't true. So today, we're going to find the truth And we're going to discover the truth, learn it together, and then we're going to be changed by it. Can I get an amen to that? All right, so let's go to Galatians, the book of Galatians. And it's going to start in chapter 1. And I'm going to give you, over the next few weeks, six weeks actually, that we're going to highlight just one portion of Scripture in each chapter in this study. So if we were going to take the book of Galatians verse by verse, it would take us an entire year. This is only a six-week study, so we're going to take out the most prominent portions of Scripture and study those. So hopefully all of you saw on on social media or word got around that we wanted you to read Galatians chapter one. If you did not read that yet, go home and read it today. And this will even make more sense to you. Next week, let's all of us read Galatians chapter two before coming to church next week. That way you'll be ready to dive in to the meat of God's word. So this is Galatians chapter one, starting in verse six. The apostle Paul says, I am absolutely shocked. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. 
which in reality is really no gospel at all. It's a false gospel. Evidently, some people are trying to throw you into confusion. They're throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So what he's saying is this is a very, very big, important, in fact, I would say the word urgent topic that we need to talk about, we need to address, not only in our church, but really the church in America and around the world. Like this is an important thing. To, to embrace the true gospel of Jesus Christ or a false gospel that seems really real. It seems like it's, it's valid. It seems like it's important. It seems like it's right, but it's actually a false gospel. So what Paul is telling them is saying, hey, you're following this teaching, and in your minds, I know it makes sense, but it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. And some of you are going to be challenged today. In fact, many of you are going to be challenged today in this area. And it's going to be powerful. Today's a day of change. So there are different approaches. In fact, how many of you can handle just one sermon point today? It's just one sermon point. It's really a question. Are you ready for it? Write this down. That what, what is going to be my approach to God? That's the question we're going to answer today. One question. One sermon point. What's going to be my approach to God? What's going to be my approach to God? How are you approaching God now? And what we find out is that question is actually one of the first questions that we see in the Bible. So we go back to the book of Genesis. And of course, Genesis, the first story in the, in the entirety of the Bible is creation. The second story is, is actually, it, it concerns it concerns humanity's approach to God, how they're going to approach God. And then, of course, the third story is they failed in their approach to God. And really, I want, I want to show it like this. Like every single one of you, your story is the same. You were created. For me, May 26, 1973 was the day I was born. Now, I was created before that. How many know what I'm talking about? But I was born on May 26, 1973. And, and then in my life, I have to make this decision on how I'm going to approach God, that everybody's on a God journey. And I have to make a decision about that approach. And when I make that decision, I want to make that decision based upon truth, not based upon my feelings or my teachings or the teaching of others that is not true. So for instance, let me ask you a question. In fact, have you ever spoke to somebody who said, I just don't believe in God? Like, I'm just an atheist. I don't believe in God. One of the questions when somebody asks me or tells me that, well, I'm, I just don't believe in God. I was, I was telling this, I'll automatically turn that around and I'll say, well, let me ask you a question then. If the Bible is true, would you embrace it? And most people would say, well, yeah, if you can prove it's true, then I'm open to it. I'll embrace it if it's true. And then I think, great, because guess what I just got to do? I just got to go, you just gave me permission to go into the next conversation with you. You see how that works? For those of you who have the gift of evangelism, outreach, and really for all of us who should be sharing Christ, can I tell you, that's a great way to do it. Just get people into the next conversation. Okay, well, we're going to talk again about what truth is. Okay, but if they say, uh, you know, if you ask, hey, 
What if the Bible is true? Would you embrace it if it's true? And if they say, if they just say, no, absolutely not. All of a sudden, they're not, they're not thinking logically. They're thinking emotionally. That's not, let me say it this way. That's not a mind issue at that point. That's actually a heart issue. Everybody see what I'm saying? It's a heart issue. It's saying, even if it's true, I'm still not going to follow God. Now, that's a heart issue. And I'll say, well, why? Why is that? Because if it's true, don't you want to go to heaven? Well, I don't care about heaven. Well, you should. And if you don't, there's not much I can do about that except say, hey, I'm here for you. I'll pray for you. But, you know, the Bible says that the, the fields are white unto harvest. Not everybody is ready to be harvested. And, and I know that's Christianese, but not everybody is ready to come to Christ. Some people... They have an absolutely refusal of that, and they don't want to talk about it. And at that point, you just have to say, okay, God, I'm just leaving them to you, and I'll be ready to have that conversation when they're ready to have that conversation. Everybody get that, right? So what I found out, the best way that I can reach people is, is really talk with those who are ready to hear the gospel. And I, can, I don't have the power to change their heart and prepare them to ready them for the gospel. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Everybody with me? Okay, so this, for those of you who love winning people to Christ, I'm helping you out. I'm helping you out. Now, um, hopefully we all love that and we'll all grow into that. So I'm going to show you something in, in Scripture that is so powerful about these approaches, different approaches to God. And you're going to fall into one of these two categories. And we actually are going to look at the book of Genesis to, to find this out. It's Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8. That's where we're going to go. Okay, Genesis 2, 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Let's stop right there. What, what this tells me is in God's creation, he wanted man, he wanted humanity to live a life that was very enjoyable. A life that they actually loved. God did not have to put in there. Uh, let me ask you this. He put in there trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. He put in the garden beautiful things and tasty things. He didn't have to. He chose to. He did, I'm going to say it again. He didn't have to. He chose to. Why? Because he wants humanity to enjoy Life. Let me say it this way. He wants you to enjoy life. He doesn't want your life to be miserable. He wants your life to be great. But how you approach God determines if you're going to live a miserable life or not. It, it gets really powerful here. So in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to come back to this, that there were two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We often think, as kids growing up in Sunday school, for instance, or maybe you know, going to Sunday school, a class when you were older or a small group, a lot of times people think of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as, as a, one was a God tree and one was a sin tree. I don't think that way. And I'm going to prove to you why I don't. I'm going I'm to show you why I don't think that way in, in just a few moments. So think that thought. Hold that thought for me. Is it a God tree and a sin tree, or is it not? And I'm, I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, he said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, let me ask you a question that maybe you've never asked. Why did it have to be fruit and why did it have to be eaten? Because God could have said, hey, listen, here's this fenced off location in the middle of the Garden of Eden. I just don't want you to go inside of the fence. Don't do that. But that's not what he did. He said, I have this tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it's going to produce fruit. I don't want you to take the fruit and eat it. Why? Because there's nothing in the Bible on accident. Everything is in there for a reason. And what he's saying is, listen, I'm going to give you this choice, this approach, this approach to me. And when you eat this, what you're doing is actually incorporating this. How many know that if you eat something, you're actually incorporating it into your body? You realize that, right? Even Jesus said that himself. Like when you, when, when you eat things, it's, it's whatever comes in is going to come back. You're going to come back out. You're incorporating what you eat into your body. And he's so, so the fruit and the eating had to do with how are you going to approach me? What are you going to incorporate in your life? in your view of me, or in your relationship with me. It'll make more sense in a second for those of you who aren't with me yet. Genesis chapter 3 now. You ready? All right. Can, is it okay if we just study the Bible this morning? Is that all right if we just do that? Because I love doing that, and you, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And of course, the serpent is representative of the devil. The, it, it is Satan. He said to the woman... Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I want to say two things about that as we look, just leave that verse up there. Did God really say, did God really say, did God really say? The first thing that came out of the devil's mouth in tempting them to sin was not a lie. It was a question. It was not a lie. At this point, Satan had not lied. He had just questioned the authority of God's word. He says it this way, are you going to depend on the authority of God's word? Did God really say? I want to tell you something, that we are living in a generation today that culture is asking, but did God really say? Let me show, because if God is love, then doesn't, then wouldn't God allow this? If God is really loving, if he's all-knowing, if he wants people to live in, in joy and in happiness, wouldn't he allow these things? I mean, did God really say, can I tell you something about New Song that you need to know? That no matter what happens in this culture, we will always be a church of the word. When somebody asks, did God really say, we will pull out the word of God and say, yes, God really did say, and we're going to stand upon it. We will not change as culture changes we hold to the word of God. It is unchangeable. It's eternal. It will stand forevermore. And we're going to stand with it here at New Song. You need to know that. Boy, I'm glad. Boy, I'm glad you amen that. You just need to know that. We are not going to move with culture. We are going to move. Well, let me say it this way. We are going to be unmovable concerning the things of God. But we are going to go where God tells us to go and do what God tells us to do. Never, never ignoring his word. Always building our life 
upon it, not only corporately, but individually. That's who we are. So he said, did God really say, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say the first thing was not a lie. It was just a question. It was just a question. Number, I'm sorry, verse two. The woman said to, to Satan, to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. So actually, right now, humanity is doing fine. Did God really say? Actually, he did. Yeah, he really did say. And you think, well done. Okay, so, so Satan's scheme at this point, the question isn't working. So now he goes to another area of deception, which isn't just questioning God. Now he's going to just flat out lie. How many knows that the devil is a liar and the author of all lies? He is. That's who he is. So now the, the, the question didn't work, so he's going to go next level. Now it's just a lie. He says this, verse 4, you will not certainly die. Like, I absolutely disagree with the word of God. You will, not, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We have to stop right there because this is the crux. This is, what, this is the focus of our, of our conversation today. I want you to see something here. That Satan's, Satan's reply was a flat-out lie. You will not surely die. You won't, you won't. But then he goes, for God knows that your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Let me, let me assert something here. That the devil was not appealing. Think about this. The devil was not appealing to their sin nature. He was actually appealing to their desire for godliness. That if you eat of this fruit, you'll actually be more like God. Oh, well, I want to be more like God. So if I were to ask a question, how many of you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us, we want to be more Christ-like? We want to be more godly. Like we want, we want lives of holiness and integrity. If you're a Christian, you would say, yeah, I want that. Well, we have to be careful because the devil will flat out lie to us on how to live a godly life. In your desire to be godly, the devil will present a false gospel to you that does not produce godliness. It actually produces pain, torment, misery, and he'll flat out lie to you, trying to convince you that you're thinking the wrong way. So he wasn't appealing to their desire to sin. He was appealing to their desire for godliness. That's why I say in the garden, I don't view those two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't view those two trees as a God tree and a sin tree. Because I think the story is deeper than that. I think it's richer than that. That he's not appealing to their sin nature. He's appealing to their desire to be godliness. He's, he's appealing to the part of them that wants to be better, not worse. And if you're a Christian, you want to be better, 
We want to do better. We want to act better and think better and speak better. But you have to watch out because the devil, devil will lie to you. I promise you that. So, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, so the first two things that happened when sin entered into the world, and this is when sin entered into the world. In theology, we call it the fall, the fall, when they gave into this temptation to eat the fruit and they did eat it. Two things entered into, the, in, in, into their world and into the world. It was shame and loss of innocence. And I'm going to tell you something, that as you sin even today, or as you, as you even look back at some of the first times that you remember sinning, like just you saw you experienced sinful things, it produced in you shame and a loss of innocence. And it's like that over and over and over again. I remember uh, we, my, my family, my dad was a pastor. He started a church in a town called Medford, Oklahoma. It's north central Oklahoma. It's where my elementary, all of my elementary years were there. Uh, first grade until uh, the beginning of eighth grade. And um, my, it was back in the days, especially in small town, this town was only like 1,400 people. I mean, in north, we were surrounded by wheat fields and nothing else. And I mean that literally. Except oil, oil pumps, you know, we had lots of oil pumps. And so my brother and I, we had free, free, freedom to roam. Anybody grow up like that when you were a kid? You could just go anywhere you wanted to. So we would just go everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. We would ride our bikes all day long. Like we had a rule growing up in our house in the summer months, you don't stay inside. You go outside. How many know that children are meant to go outside? You know, so that's what we did. And, and I remember my brother and I, we went into, we were just, you know, it very innocently, we were just going through the town as we were bored, and we came across this burn barrel, you know, one of those 55-gallon drums that they set up on blocks, and, and of course, they, they just burn their trash, you know? And so we were walking by this burn barrel, and my brother looks into it and finds um, not, not a stash, but a big stack of porn, pornographic magazines that the owner was just getting ready to burn. And of course, what do children do? Well, what's that? And I remember him opening a page, and I'm looking at it too. And guess what happens? Shame and a loss of innocence. Shame and a loss of innocence. I didn't go home and tell my, my parents, oh, by the way, I, I saw my first naked picture today. Why? Because I was filled with shame. I don't want to talk about it. I, I just want to hide. And what did Adam and Eve do? They just hid. It was shame and a loss of innocence. By the, by the way, no, I better not, I better not go there because that'll go us. Never mind. So here we have in the Garden of Eden these two, these two approaches to God. Where God said, listen, you, I just made this for your enjoyment. I want to be in relationship with you, I want you to love me, and I want to love you, and it's going to be wonderful. But the devil steps in. He says, you know what? Actually, if you want to be more godly, you need this in your life. You need to incorporate this in your life. 
And I learned this 20 years ago that it is, it is what many theologians believe to be living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or living in the tree of life. And I'm going to tell you something that there are three different types of people in this room. There are those who are living in the knowledge of tree. They're, they're living, let me say it this way. You've built a tree house in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that's where you stay. And there's others that you've built a tree house in the tree of life, and that's where you stay. And then there's a lot of others that you, 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 hang, that you swing from a vine and you go back and forth between tree houses. And I'm going to show you what I mean by showing you this graphic. It's also in your sermon notes. So I wanted you to have it. It's the two Gospels, and you know that I put that in quotes because there's really only one Gospel. So the other one is a false Gospel, and it's the Gospel of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is how you know if you're living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The first thing is that you start having this idea to trust in yourself, whereas people in the tree of life, they just trust in Jesus. You say, well, I trust in Jesus. Let me ask you a few questions, though. Because maybe you're a vine swinger. Maybe you're going back and forth from one to the other. Because people who live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they trust in, my, they trust in themselves. And this is how they trust in themselves. They all of a sudden think to themselves, I've got to do more to get to God. I've just got to do more. I've got to do more. I've got to do more. But others who are living in the tree of life, we just receive what Jesus already did. Well, he's already done it for me. Therefore, I don't have to. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to. I've received it. I don't have to achieve it. Everybody with me so far? If you're living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you live to try to get God's approval. But if you're living in the tree of life, you, you have to know that God's, that God's love isn't actually earned. That God's love is so perfect that he will never love you less than he does right now. And he'll, let him, he'll never love you more than he does right now. That his love for you is eternal. It never changes. It never grows and it never weakens because God's love is always perfect. And in his perfect love, he loves you. He just loves you. People who live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they try to get God's approval. But we know his love isn't earned. So they focus on the external. And actually, it's in, it's in Scripture where Jesus is saying, hey, listen, guys, there's these people that, that are like cups on the outside. They're all clean and shiny, but on the inside, they're, they're nasty. It's, it's dirty, na nasty. He, he said, some people are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, everything is manicured. Everything is perfectly taken care of. But the inside is just full of dead man's bones. Like they, they look perfect on the outside, but on the inside, they ain't right. And he's actually speaking. Do you know who Jesus criticized over and over and over again in his day? All of the religious folks. That's who he was always correcting. And all of the religious folks were those who were trying to live in the knowledge of good and evil. Well, I'm going to earn my way. I'm going to work my way. And by the way, people who live like that, they don't, they don't decide only what's good for them and how to earn God's love for themselves, but they decide to pass their knowledge on to other, other people. Well, if you were really a Christian, you would... 
read your Bible for at least an hour a day, and how dare you not? Let, let me ask you a question. I've, heard, I've literally heard preachers say, you need to pray for one hour a day. Can't we at least pray for an hour a day? Can I tell you something? That's, that's living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is not living in the tree of life. Let, let me tell you this. Where is that in the Bible? Where is it in the Bible? Well, godly people pray for an hour a day. Well, if you want to pray for an hour a day, that's great. But where's that in the Bible? And who gave you permission to create the standard for my prayer life? Because actually the Bible says pray continually. Like I just need to be in a relationship with the Lord so much that I'm just listening to him all the time and I'm talking to him throughout the course of my day. He's just always in my thoughts, always in my heart because I love him so much. It's like my wife, Jennifer. I think about Jennifer all the time. Well, where's Jennifer? What's Jennifer doing? Is Jennifer okay? I'm just thinking about her all the time because she's the love of my life. Well, in the same way, I'm thinking about God all the time because he's the love of my life too. He's my first love. So, so, so somebody says, well, you need to read your Bible for, for an hour a day. Well, who gave you the right to determine how much of my Bible I should read a day? Like, nobody gave you that authority. And I know the Bible doesn't say that. Should we, should we study the Bible? Yes. Should we pray? Absolutely. But we have to do it from a tree of life perspective and not a tree of the knowledge of good and evil perspective. So... You know you're living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when you're obeying out of duty instead of obeying out of delight. And there's a difference. Which tree are you living in? Where's your tree house? Or are you swinging back and forth from one to the other? Like in some moments, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. And then, you, and then it's self-condemnation. You know, I'm not reading my Bible nearly like I should. God's probably angry with me. Oh, you know what? I, I've, I literally have had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I've, I've got to confess something. I have to confess something. I said, what, what's going on? I, I didn't tithe on my last paycheck. And I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Can I tell you? That's tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not the tree of life. Self-condemnation. Never being good enough. Thinking that you have to earn God's love and God's approval. What you're doing is you're focusing your life on works instead of worship. And it's wrong. Somebody went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell me the greatest commandment. And he says, you better obey me. Oh, wait. No, he didn't, did he? How many know that I just told a lie? Okay, but it was on purpose. I, I did that to get your... That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say obey. He said, love me. I just want you to love me with all your heart. Because Jesus knows something that's hard for you and I to know. That when we love Jesus first and most, obedience will come. But not out of duty. It'll actually come out of delight. It'll actually come because... You love Jesus so much that you know he's living for your good and that his commandments, his commandments are not burdensome. They're actually commandments that bring life and strength and help and wisdom to you. So why would I want to disobey? 
If everything that is from God is good and perfect, then why would I want to stray away from what he tells me to do? I don't want that. It's the same. Let me ask you this for all you parents in the room and for all of those. How many of you have ever been a child before? You've been a child before? Eddie? Okay, okay. I thought so. I thought so. Um, that when you were told or you told your children, don't go play in the street, you weren't trying to restrict them. Out of love, you were trying to protect them. And Jesus and the word of God, not trying not trying to, to restrict you from living an enjoyable life. He's actually helping you to live that life that is abundant, that's enjoyable, that you would love. That's what he's out to do. He's out to bless you, to protect you, to show you his goodness. Remember last week we said that, that he's running after us with goodness that his goodness and love follows, pursues us, chases us all of the days of our lives, that God is trying to tackle you with his goodness. We have this weird approach, though, this false gospel that says, I can reach God on my own, so I'm going to embrace, I'm going to incorporate this works mentality to be closer to God. And Paul is addressing the church of Galatia, and he says, actually, you got to stop doing that. In fact, before he even addresses it in the way that he's going to, he actually starts it by saying this without even trying to say it yet. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 2. He says, to the churches in Galatia, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me put this in Justin's paraphrase. That Paul is telling the churches in Galatia who are starting to embrace a false gospel of works of incorporating things into their life that, that actually is not part of the gospel at all and trying to get closer to God instead of loving him, they were creating rules and regulations and, and, and forcing that on others. And Paul is saying, hey, hey, guys, watch this, watch this. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us, meaning you don't have to rescue yourself. You don't have the power to rescue yourself. You can't rescue you. No, Jesus is the rescuer. And by the way, he did that according to the will of our God and Father. Because your heavenly Father loves you so much, he sent his one and only Son that just whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. How many think that verse sounds familiar? Do you get it now? But our approach is to try to add things that we think are going to produce more godliness in our life so that we can have a better relationship with God. And I'm going to tell you something, everybody. It's a false gospel. Because you and I can fulfill the commands of the better. We, no, look. Let me rephrase that. We can fulfill the commands of the Bible better when we fall in love with God 
rather than trying to obey everything that he says. Because when you fall in love with God, the obedience will just naturally be a part of your life. So I don't have to worry about if, am, am I being obedient? I just put my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, and I live a life of worship and love and thankfulness and gratefulness, and I'm so focused on him and how much I love him and how much he loves me that all of a sudden when the Holy Spirit says, oh, no, don't do that, I'll say, oh, okay. Oh, you should go here. Okay. That, that I'm obeying God, not out of duty, but out of delight because I know that he only has good things for me. How many are with me so far? You're with me. And I'm telling you how, I'm asking you a question. How are you approaching God? Are you approaching God through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Are you approaching him through the tree of life? You know, I, I remember my, my dad, um, he, he went a year without pastoring in churches. When I was in eighth grade, we moved to a new town at the beginning of eighth grade. It was Blackwell, Oklahoma. And, and, and we attended another person's church during that year. And uh, we had some church event. I don't know what it was. And I remember me and my friends were playing, you know, we were just kind of going everywhere, all over the property in the church. And, and, um, and I remember being in the sanctuary and this, this old fella came in and he just, I mean, he barked at me. Rawr! You know what it was? Get your hat off. This is the sanctuary. Well, I had a baseball cap on. And I thought to myself, Dude, you're mean. Like, I don't like you. Why did he do that? Because he's living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was all, if you want a good relationship with God, you can't wear that baseball cap in the sanctuary. Let me, let, let me let you in on something. God don't care about your baseball cap. He don't care. He don't care about the way you're dressed. You don't care about your hair or your lack thereof. You're laughing at me again, aren't you? <laughs> what does he care about? He cares about this. And I remember thinking, I don't like you, dude. And I come to realize later that God didn't like that. And did you know there's some people in our church that admitted this morning that they find themselves living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden what happens is you put this criteria on yourself to be more like God. I've got to, I have to read my Bible at least an hour a day or at least three chapters a day. Or I have to read my Bible at least through, 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 uh, through the Bible in one year. Or I have to pray for at least a half an hour every day. If I want to, and by the way, that you, you can't wear your hats in church. By the way, you have to look like this and dress like this and smell like this and talk like this. And, and if I have to do that, you do too because that's what godliness looks like. You're like, no, that's actually not what godliness looks like at all. Because godliness is not a matter of rules. It is a matter of relationship. It's a matter of relationship. Are you with me? See, see, there's some, there's some, if you're sitting in the place, I don't like it that people bring coffee into the sanctuary. Let, let me, let me, let me let you in on something. Stop swinging back and forth from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life because God doesn't care about coffee. He don't care. He don't care about this concrete. He cares about the souls that are in this room. He cares about your heart. 
and the heart of the person sitting next to you. How many know what I'm talking about? That's what he cares about. And we got to drop the legalism in our, we have to drop it in our life, everybody. Because we should live our lives not based upon works, but based upon worship. Let me ask you a question. John 14, 15. I heard a pastor say this a long time ago, and it's just stuck with me. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, comma, you'll obey my commands. The question that he asked, and I'm going to ask you today, is which side of the comma are you living on? Because if you're living on the right side, it's all about obedience. I've got to obey to make God happy. You're living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if you're living on the left side of the comma, like, God, I just love it that you love me, and I love you too. You're wonderful to me. I worship you. Ah, that's the tree of life. Which one sounds more appealing to you? Oh, I'll, I'll take left side of the comma all day long. Because when you focus on the left side of the comma and just love the Lord your God with all your heart, the obedience will naturally be there. You'll embrace it not because you have to, but because you want to. You receive the word of the Lord today, yes or no? Stand up with me. Which side of the tree, or what, sorry, which side, of the, which side of the garden are you living on? Are you living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all about works? Or are you living in the tree of life where it's all about Jesus? It's all about worship. Which side of the comma are you living on? As for me, I made a decision years ago. I'm just going to love Jesus. And I'm going to let him lead the way. And I'm going to remind myself over and over again that the greatest commandment in the Bible isn't obey the Lord with all of your heart. The greatest commandment in all of the Bible is love the Lord with all of your heart. And when you love him, you'll obey him. You'll never know the level of holiness that you want to see in your life. You'll never realize it until you learn to love more than obey. Oh, that's a good word. Because when you love, you'll naturally obey. You receive the word of the Lord today, yes or no? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a moment. I never like to close the service without giving people an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never surrendered your life to him today, I'm going to ask a question of you. Are you ready today? And I'm telling you, the Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, he'll save you. That he never rejects anyone who says, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to experience his forgiveness in my life. The Bible says every single time that you call out to him for salvation, he always says yes. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never surrendered your life to him today, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you in any way. But if you're ready to do that today, lift up your hand really high. Let me see who you are. Is there anybody in this place? Just give me a few, few more seconds. Okay. Now let me ask a second question. How many of you, in all honesty, your approach to God has been obedience? It's been based upon works. It's, a, it's been based upon, well, I've got to do this, and I've got to go there, and I've just got to say this, and I've got to serve here in order to earn God's approval. You've been living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
instead of the tree of life and you're ready to make a change, raise your hand really high. Let me see who you are. Boy, me, me too. I've been there. I've been there. I'm telling you, what I'm teaching you today is life-changing. You can put your hands down if you'd like to. We're all going to pray. Jesus, help us to live a life of worship instead of works. Help us to live a life of love in which obedience flows. But we'll obey not because we have to, but simply because we want to. Father, in this moment, we repent from embracing or believing a false gospel. It's really no gospel at all. We reject it. And by your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we have heard the truth. And we turn towards you and receive your love today, knowing that it'll never change, that you are gracious and merciful and that goodness and mercy will follow us, will chase us all of the days of our lives. Not because we deserve it, not because of our goodness, but because of your goodness and your love for us. So today we choose the tree of life. Help us, Lord, to live it, to reject the lies of the enemy, and to worship you with all of our hearts. We pray it in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't come to make you sorry. He came to make you free. And in Christ Jesus, you are free indeed, the Bible says. So act like it. Be free to love him with all of your heart. And I promise you, obedience will flow. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.